Welcome to the Sheridan Global Podcast, Brilliance Realized. We have several series like The Future of Work, Conflict Resolution, Belonging and Inclusion, and this series, Generosity in the Workplace. Generosity at work is not about financial giving, rather giving valuable time, invested attention, and genuine collaboration. Join us as our guests explore the topics of gratitude, empathy, listening, mentoring, and coaching. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. Joining us today on Brilliance Realized with our topic, Generosity, we've got Lorraine Martins, who's the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Network Rail. We know each other through the generous network of Sheridan Global. What I admire most about you, Lorraine, is your commitment to inclusion, belonging, and psychological safety. Your work on diversity and inclusion at Network Rails has been internationally recognized, and you're one of the top 100 women influencing engineering in the UK, according to inclusive boards in the Financial Times. Brilliant to meet you. Thank you, Shannon. It's really great to meet you and be here with you as well. Ah, thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Lorraine. So I've been at Network Rail for about eight and a half years. Network Rail is the rail infrastructure for the whole of the UK. And we have something like 30,000 bridges, 20,000 tunnels, 43,000 employees, 118,000 contractors. And we are responsible for the UK's rail, for getting the trains from A to B safely and on time. It's a really exciting environment been a really challenging environment during COVID because we've had less passengers. So now our task is about getting our passengers back onto, onto rail, which will be interesting. And my role is, is to be responsible for our strategic approach to diversity and inclusion, which will range from hiring, retaining, attracting people from diverse backgrounds, right through to the physical infrastructure and making sure that's as accessible and as easy to navigate for all different ability people so that they can have a really, really great journey. So, yeah, I've been doing that for about eight years. I've done some voluntary work in, in London. So I chaired the, what was the vice chair of uh, Trust for London, which was responsible for tackling poverty and inequality in London. And we've done lots of work around a living wage and making sure people can cope with being paid properly. And I'm a Londoner. So I was born in London. I love London. I love I'm an urban chick. I was described as the other day. So yeah. <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to take me away, put me in a city, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing, right? If, if when you travel to the countryside, do you sometimes miss the the noise and the access, the easy access to things? Yeah, I'm really great for like a day or two and then I then I want the noise. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? I, you feel safer there. Yeah, yeah so I, I'm really lovely. I'm, I'm refreshed. I love to go and walk and look around and go, oh, this is fascinating. But yeah, a bit of pollution. I know this is not sort of the right thing to say, but a little bit of noise and, and, and traffic and hustle and bustle. And I, and I feel very comfortable. Yes, that's your home. Right? So speaking of hustle and bustle and noise, sometimes those kinds of things prevent us from really being able to listen to each other, to ourselves, right? Sometimes it's just like so busy, whether that be literally or figuratively. So we wanted to focus our conversation today on active listening. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on what would you say is the difference between just listening, like I hear something, and active listening? Such a great question, because I think it's really fine lines. 
So I think just listening, what we tend to do, and there's a great saying, and, I, and I'm, if I don't get it exactly right, I'm going to paraphrase it. But we kind of listen so that we can say what we want to say rather than listen to what is actually being said. And that's what active listening is about. It's, it's absolutely paying very deep and intent focus on the person that's talking to you, hearing what they're saying, digesting what they're saying and responding to those words rather to the things that you think you've heard or the things that you want to say. So you're, you're kind of pre-prepared response in anticipation of what they were going to say. Or if you're influencing somebody, it's like, well, I know this is the point that I want to get across. And we're human beings in a sense. So we're kind of hardwired to try and get our point across rather than to do the active listening, which for some feels a bit more passive, but actually it's much more engaging and much more intentional and requires a different kind of energy from us as individuals in order to access that information. Active listening is, is really, really, really important. And it's important if you want to create environments which are much more inclusive. It's important if you want to create environments where people feel safe, because the more that you listen actively to individuals, the more that they will share with you, both in terms of their kind of peripheral experiences as well as the kind of deep things that might be causing angst or causing problems and that's why active listening is a really important skill that I think is underappreciated. Agreed and you know it's free it costs time but it's free and it's so valuable right so I'm hearing you say this is something that really pays dividends it's so incredibly valuable and rare. We don't often feel like people are actively listening to us, and maybe we're not often active listening ourselves. What would you say gets in the way? What are some things that prevent us and others from active listening? It can be small things and big things. So in essence, time. So people always feel time pressured. I want to get to the point quickly. <laughs> I've mm -hmm. got what I need to do. So, so just tell me. <laughs> get to the point without actually really assimilating what messages are being being shared. So time is always a thing that we think is a, a particular factor for us. It can depend on who the person is. So the person who you may have a slight tension with or they're different to you. So that therefore you're not paying them the same level of regard unintentionally sometimes or intentionally. And therefore, you're not genuinely hearing that the messages that, that are being conveyed. It could be the environment. It could be different ways of speaking. So one of the challenges around having diverse workforces is that people can describe things in different ways. And that's a really important facet of, of diversity. But if you're not actively listening, you can miss things out because they're different to you or they have an accent or their intonation is different or they don't describe things in the way in which you're used to receiving them. So those are the kind of things that can get in the way of active listening. You know, your time, the individual that, that's speaking to you, they've got an accent that's, for, you know, foreign to you. You may not like the person and therefore you, you, you're kind of dismissive, <laughs> dismissive of them. You're, you, you know, you're not giving them the same level of regard and they will play at different times depending on your own demeanor you know so if you're in a rush or if you're tired or if you've got different pressures on you it will impact on your capacity to listen actively yes oh my gosh and what you said earlier too is also true like we're preparing our response right we hear enough to to get the gist of what we think somebody's saying and then we're coming up with some really clever question or response right or story or oh that makes me think of a time when <laughs> and sometimes we like bring it on back to <laughs> to 
our own situation, right? We're not totally listening to what the person said. So I would guess the opposite would be true for how we can become a better listener. What advice do you have for those who really want to be a better listener? What are some suggestions you have? I think one of the best things that I I do is still the inside internal voice that's in my head. And that internal voice may have a a raft of things going on, which is you're kind of distracted and, and actually still that voice and really just listen. In a sense, you kind of breathe and give space and function to that individual and they'll feel it. And one of the things that I get back from the people that I manage is I'm really good at giving silence. <laughs> so that space for others to talk enables the active listening. Absolutely. Hopefully that makes sense. That totally makes sense. And, you know, I heard it described recently about holding space, exactly what you're saying. Holding space is hearing someone really being curious about what they're telling you, wanting to know what else is going on and not seeking to help them solve the problem. You're holding space for that person to express themselves. And very often that's really what they want. Absolutely. And most time, all all of us actually all, and it's not reductionist, all that we want to do is be heard. (laughs) So so, so giving people that space so that they're heard and and, and active listen doesn't necessarily mean you're going to agree with everything that you're hearing, but the capacity to receive those messages is really important. So you give people space, you listen, you're patient, you have a kind of physical interaction, which is the nodding and the kind of, you know, affirmations that indicate that you are actually listening, your capacity to play back what you've heard, not an interpretation, but, you know, actually, this is what I've heard you say, helps to reinforce and give others confidence that you've actually been listening to what they said. And from there then spins whatever, the, the resolution, the action or, mm. or or the non-resolution, but at least the basis of kind of an egalitarian relationship is established because you've given somebody space to say what they need to say. Yeah, and I really want to hang on to that, Lorraine, because if those who are listening are really hearing you, what you're inviting us to do is to not have the answer. We're not expected to have this really pithy, smart, brilliant response. Really, what would be the most valuable thing for us to do is to be present, be focused, be attentive to the other person, which really requires less of us if you think about it, right? I think the expectations we have of ourselves is that we should be this savior and help somebody really unpack everything and make it make sense. What would be even more valuable is exactly what you're suggesting is be present, be curious, hold the space, make them feel like they matter and that what they're saying is important. So give me an example of something that you heard that was never said. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, And and the reason I'm struggling... Shannon, is because I've tried to stop doing that. <laughs> so so a, a younger Lorraine would hear infinite amount of slights, not for any reasons. I'm a black woman. I've grown up in London. London is a nice urban environment. And people can say things. And because of the narrative that you have in your head, you can hear lots of things. So, so I'm, I'm really, I'm absolutely struggling. But I know and I guess what, what I can remember is that it kind of then triggers a response. And that response could either be a, a kind of physical response or a, an attitudinal response when actually that isn't what you heard. Mm, and so right. 
And, so and you're again, making me think, Lorraine. You're making me think because what I was curious to hear is a time when you were listening to somebody and they didn't say something, but you heard something, like you intuitively understood something. And the way that you're helping me hear that now is when other people are speaking, it actually triggers off a whole other narrative in our own head, which is also distracting and true, right? So there's 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 all of this going on. I mean, think about how complex and dynamic this this idea of listening to people really is is there's the I want to understand you deeply and I also am human and I'm interpreting this through my own filter and sometimes that's setting me off into another direction <laughs> that is absolutely true that is absolutely and, and that's what that's exactly what I heard there so that that's that's a really great living example for our for our listeners <laughs> to yeah. kind of replay <laughs> but so I think I think if I take the the way in which you intended the question, what I try to do is play back what I've heard, because I think that my lens is my lens. <laughs> and so I want to own that. So how people see things is very different to how I see them and how I receive them. Lots of factors will impact on that. So if it's a work situation, I'm fairly senior, if I speak to a, a less senior person, there's a power dynamic there. They think there are different parameters around what they can say and what they can't say, what's what's a safe space for them, what will that mean for their career or for the thing they need to do. If I'm speaking to members of the board, I will have a similar kind of reaction, which is actually how much truth do I share? <laughs> uh, you know, so what's the impact of that? What do I want as an outcome of what I'm about to share? How much do I think they're really listening? <laughs> yes. How much can they, much can they take? <laughs> what are the key points that I need to be heard? Mm. We make these decisions, Shannon, in a really split second. It's not that we're deliberate in that thought. It's that's what occurs as we're engaging, as we're exchanging ideas and thoughts and, and, and information. So our active listening is is happening in that context. So for me, what's really important is once somebody said something, for me, I take real responsibility in saying this is what I've heard, which is different to this is what I've understood. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. That you're tracking with this. Do I have this correctly? Exactly. Right. Is this the sentiment of what you're exactly. trying to say? And then they can validate or invalidate it. Exactly. But that's so smart to do that before you move too much further ahead, because sometimes we don't have that little check-in to yeah. say, okay, here's what I've heard. Yeah. And then you get the nod or you get the no, that's not what I was saying, right? Exactly. They can totally tell me differently so that I can exactly. understand, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's a smart tactic, you know, something that people, <laughs> if, if you're not already doing that, listeners, yeah. <laughs> take, a, take a page out of Lorraine's book and, and paraphrase, say, here's what I've heard, check in, yeah. and then continue. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing you were describing to me rings of emotional intelligence where you're like reading the room, you're kind of getting the vibe is like, this is the right time to bring this up. If yes, then how much is appropriate to share? How much can this audience either handle or tolerate or accept or whatever it is? And because you're the head of diversity and inclusion, this must be a very common occurrence for you, right? To hear the truths, the situation, the experiences, the lived experiences of your employees, and then 
how do I make the rest of the senior leadership team aware of what I'm hearing, what the realities are, and you know how we're going to approach that organizationally or, or structurally? Absolutely, Shannon. And that's kind of overlaid by my own identity. So if I describe Network Rail, I'm one of the very few senior black people in our business of 43,000 people. And you can count on one hand how many people are black, how many people are Asian. So as a director of diversity and inclusion, I'm conscious people will have heard things that I haven't said. I call it the kind of police. They will have heard me say in their minds, you can't do this, you can't do that. Yes. <laughs> you know, they will have they can't heard, do police. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. The finger wagging. <laughs> this fin- is not okay. That's right. They're, yes. they're, they've heard it. I haven't said it. Mm-hmm. So I'm particularly mindful of, of what I say. And I guess this is the other side of, of active listening is about being careful about what you say. And I'm not careful in a censorship type of way, but in the way of making sure that the messages land in the way in which you intend them to land. So in terms of being able to reflect the lived experiences of people who experience discrimination, disparities, the easy end through really particularly nasty experiences, it's important to articulate those and in some ways make sure that that message is very clear. This is not Lorraine individual (laughs) talking, this is Lorraine representing. So please, peers, we need to hear this. Mm -hmm. And these are some of the things that we could do as as a response based on what's been said. And then also helping my peers, my leadership peers, to be active recipients of that information and not be stymied by it. That's our challenge around diversity and inclusion, that people are worried for a raft of reasons. But in the guise of good intent, the worry can cause a pause. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So that's one half. And the other half of their listening is a kind of defensiveness. I'm a good person, so they're surely not talking about me. (laughs) Yes. Right? Right. Yes. Somebody else must have been responsible for that Mm -hmm. because I am good. And so helping people to hear those messages is part of my responsibility to, to both sides. What I've experienced too, Lorraine, is the range of readiness, the range of like where people are in their inclusive leadership journey, where some are fully on board with what you're saying and like, thank God somebody finally told this message or shared this truth or is ready to tackle this problem, right? It's like a relief. And then there's those who are more on the earlier stages of this journey who are in that defensive, you must not be talking about me. You have to kind of overcome that whole ego barrier, which is some cases like a huge brick wall. Like it's almost like you have to customize your approach to the various people in the in the network, right? And to think, okay, so this is the population of people who are ready to rock. And then this is the population of people who I really need to handhold or or to support them and the awareness piece of it. Absolutely. And and to your point, Shannon, about generosity, that's a really generous act. Your proclivities may not lend itself to that because Mm -hmm. you might be seeing behaviors which actually you know are they're not the best intent, actually, and they are blocking and they're slightly passive aggressive and and they're not really enabling the kind of culture change that we're seeking to happen. So so to be able to adapt your approach to 
navigate those kind of behaviours or those kind of reactions is an important aspect of the active listening piece. Yes. So identifying what kind of levers work for individuals who feel more vulnerable, more threatened in addressing inequalities, in addressing discrimination. How do you enable people to to see what the benefits are, to recognise how that they could have contributed in some way, (laughs) either directly or indirectly. That isn't necessarily the definition of them, but it's a moment that acknowledgement means that they can then move to the next the next level. Yes. Does that make sense? It really does. And you're helping to clarify the role that listening plays in all of this, because when we're listening to people who are using language and, and tone in ways that are exclusive or are microaggressions or are in some way disengaging people and not creating an environment where people feel like they belong. Many people are not aware that they're doing things like that. So we'll say for those people, we give the benefit of the doubt and the coaching and the development. Then there are other people who are doing those things intentionally perhaps, and being more hierarchical and how they organize themselves and keeping people in place, so to speak, through their words. So by listening and really trying to assess not only the language, where they're at in this journey, and also intent, right? And then to seek to understand and say, I'm not sure what you intended when you said X, Y, Z, but this is how this felt. This is how it landed to me, right? Is that the kind of thing that you absolutely engage in? Absolutely spot on, Shannon. And also what that does is it takes away some of the sting of the the, the kind of underlying potential critique. Yeah. Because you're you're then as the listener taking on a little bit of responsibility, this is what I heard. Yes. (laughs) This is how it's landed. Is that what you intended? Is that what you meant? And then you give people permission to say yes, no, no, yes, no, or clarify or expound or, or whatever. But yes. I found that to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So to clarify, make them aware, ask the question and then listen, actively listen. You're talking about your own story and your own lens through which you're living things as every human does. What are some things that you hear that help you to feel psychologically safe? What are some of the ways in which people communicate with you that give you that sense of relief or this is a place where I feel like I belong? That's a brilliant question. And I think it's small things. COVID has heightened these small things, but it's like those kind of little acts of of kindness and thank you and please. And this has made a difference Mm. that a real Phillips to give you a real buzz. Does does that make sense? Yes. So yeah, a, a thank you. You've made a difference. This has been great. Can you fix this, please? Or can you fix this, please? And I say, actually, I think you might be able to do it. And then, oh, yes, actually, I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're empowering them. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's, that, it's those interactions, really, where you, you kind of hear people asking for assistance and you and you are giving assistance, not necessarily by doing anything particular, mm. but through that engagement. Yes. Assistance, appreciation, right? That recognition that you were somebody yes. that they confided in or was able to help them Absolutely. and they recognize that. Yes. That's, that's great. 
So I know that you are a big fan of and an advocate for psychological safety. And I want to help the listeners understand from your perspective why that's so important and then what role does active listening play in that. So let's just talk about psychological safety. The context for me is that Network Rail is a safety critical organization. So in our work, we, as we, as I said at the beginning, we move trains from A to B safely as much as we can. It can be very dangerous work. So we've had a tendency to focus on the physical safety and the technical safety. Were we standing in the right position? Did we follow the right procedures and standards and policies and processes? So it's very mechanistic, very standard based safety so you know when we talk about safety over time what what we're beginning to recognize is that psychological safety is also an important facet of the safety discussion that we're having in our business so we've seen that there have been a couple of incidents in our organization where there have been accidents and there have been underlying racial tensions within that environment that has resulted in those accidents occurring so that means that people weren't psychologically safe and as a consequence they've been hurt so we cannot tolerate that as a business so we're beginning to say to our colleagues our peers we need to do better so moving from why did you do that to how did that occur is about creating that psychological safety because the why did you do that generates a, a kind of blame culture unintentionally that's how that lands. When I ask, why did you do that, Shannon? You're yes. immediately like, well, yeah, why I'm did you do defense. that? <laughs> you're you're yes. immediately defensive. If I say, Shannon, so how did that happen? You then explain the context and circumstances which arrived at this particular situation and circumstance. It's a slight change in language, but it means I hear differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, and, I'm, and I'm looking for different information. I'm not looking to blame you. I'm looking to really understand what led to this particular situation. And that should make you feel that you can be as honest and open with me as possible because we want to get to the root cause. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you're enabled to tell me exactly how this happened. And I'm able to say, right, what do I need to do to help help prevent that happening again? So that psychological safety is a a really critical point. Then when we talk about the culture of the environment, we're really clear that if for some reason I'm bullying you, Sharon, you're not going to be as attentive to the day job as you need to be because you're feeling vulnerable. You're not feeling at your best. If I'm taunting you with, you know, some kind of throwaway banter that you don't like, again, that's going to affect how you feel about working with me, about your working environment. It makes us all vulnerable. So attending to our psychological safety, making sure that you feel well, your health and being is good, the environment is good, I'm giving you permission to say to me, Lorraine, that needs to change, we need to do better, means that you're going to be operating at your optimum, you're going to be looking out for me, I'm going to be looking out for you, we're more respectful, more engaged, you feel that I value your contribution, we perform better, we're a safer organisation. So for yes. us, that's the, that's the kind of journey that we need to take our colleagues on. 
We're early days of that, but talking much more about psychological safety also brings in people who are office-based as opposed to people who are working on track and in depots and externally. So everybody can kind of engage in the psychological safety conversation because we know what it's like when we don't feel safe psychologically or we feel that we might be pilloried or we feel that our job might be in danger because we're speaking out. Mm -hmm. So particularly for our leaders, this is a really important facet of how we can be much more inclusive. We're checking in on people. How are you feeling? How's the environment? Is everything okay? Have you got what you need to, to do what you need to do? Is there anything that I need to do to help you that I can do? will help you to perform at your best. And therefore, we've created a much better culture in the organisation, a much more respective culture and a much more inclusive work environment, and therefore much safer. Oh my gosh, that is so helpful. Thank you, Lorraine. Because what you're helping us to remember is the necessity that all of us have to feel safe in a variety of ways. You're talking about psychological safety, physical safety, emotional safety. So when we are particularly leaders in the environment, you're saying you're focusing on, we are responsible for the culture that we are creating and perpetuating. And part of it is how we're communicating with each other. How are we treating each other? How are we managing people who are not treating other people well? How do we even know that those things are happening, right? Because sometimes all of that's happening and nobody's made us aware of it. So we're none the wiser. We can't solve a problem that we don't know about. So all of this does really back into listening, like listening both to what you're hearing and what's going on. And then like reading the room, listening, like that intuition of saying, this is something that needs to be fixed. Or here's an example of what it looks like when it's going well. <laughs> and I also love the very specific example of the quality of the questions that you're recommending that people ask. So instead of the why questions, like why did you do that? More the how did that occur? I think that's another key takeaway that we could hear because you were earlier speaking about the two sides of listening. There's like the the spoken word that's being heard and then there's the interpretation of it. Yes. So if we're asking higher quality questions, like how did that happen? Yeah. That invites a conversation and a dialogue versus that, you know, yeah. can't police or you know, the, the interrogation that we might otherwise feel that yeah. was not intended, but would help to facilitate a better dialogue and discussion. I love that. Mm -hmm. So one of your favorite quotes is from Dr. Maya Angelou. And this is one of the other things that we have in common, Lorraine. I love this quote so much. She says, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. What does that mean to you? It really speaks to the issue of, of how we listen to the active listening piece. And I've always remembered that it takes the same amount of energy to be positive as it does to be negative. And actually, <laughs> when you're positive, you get so much more out of the environment and out of out of people. And it's because of that interaction that you kind of leave people with. So for me, it speaks to being really mindful of how you engage with people. Even if you have to give news, which isn't good news, you can do it in a way that allows people their dignity, shows respect, honours them. We don't have to castigate each other. We don't have to beat each other up. We can leave people feeling good about themselves and satisfied with the interaction, you know, despite the outcome. Yes. And so for me, that's a really important part of being an inclusive leader, 
That's a really important part about human engagement. It's a really important part about trying to get people on your side. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you if you remember if you remember that they forget what you they forget what you said, they forget what you did, but they always remember how you made them feel. Then I think that's a really great watchword for for interacting with people. For sure. And I think the ways that you've described listening is a way to make people feel exactly what you just said, respected, heard, understood, accepted, welcomed, encouraged, right? And and that's how you've made us feel today, listening, is hopeful, right? I feel empowered. I feel motivated to go practice some of the things that you've been talking about so that I can make other people feel important and that they belong. <laughs> so thank you for modeling that oh, so well, Lorraine. Thank you so much, Shannon. That's I really, really appreciate that. And I've really appreciated our, our conversation. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sheridan Global Podcast, Brilliance Realized, Generosity in the Workplace. Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Check out our other series and stay generous, everyone. 